reading. scripture reading comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 1, from verses 18 to 25. Now, the birth of Jesus the Messiah took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be pregnant from the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to divorce her quietly. But just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Look, the virgin shall become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took her as his wife, but had no marital relations with her until she had given birth to a son, and he named him Jesus. The word of God for the people of God. Let's pray. Holy God, we say, come, Lord Jesus, and often turn our back. Cause us to pause and look again at you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. The Bible does not give us very many details about Joseph. In fact, you almost just heard it. There's another part about Joseph taking Mary and Jesus to Egypt. But other than this, we really do not know a lot about him. On the other hand, art history and dramatic presentations of the nativity have given Joseph a very quiet, passive role. Rare indeed is the nativity scene that shows us Joseph holding baby Jesus, adoring baby Jesus, crying over baby Jesus the way a new father would. And equally rare is the scene that shows Joseph's confusion after the scene that Suki has just read to us. Grief, confusion, disbelief, skepticism, is not involved much in this biblical narrative. 
Joseph's story in Advent exemplifies a change in expectation and hope that we should face not just in Advent when we say, come Lord Jesus, but every single day when routine and repetition become part of our life. Think back then on Joseph and ask yourself, have I actually stepped into the status quo or can I be like Joseph and face unimaginable change? For his story mirrors or should mirror our stages of growth and faith and activity and ministry as we come, invite Jesus to come into our lives more and more. Okay, until a couple of years ago, I never gave Joseph another thought. And then I attended in Chicago at the Goodman Theater, a production of Black Nativity. A spectacular musical presentation of the nativity and as well as the role of gospel music that it has played in the tradition of sharing Emmanuel, God with us. In this performance, my assumptions about Joseph changed because I realized they were nothing but assumptions. I didn't hear much about Joseph, therefore he must not have been a very important person. You might not hear a lot about your neighbor, but does that make them an unimportant person? So I had to stop and rethink Joseph for Black Nativity, the, the production at Goodman Theater did not present a passive Joseph. He was the lead dancer, the lead figure through the whole play. Joseph entering Bethlehem did not wait for a miracle of housing in this production. Joseph was never passive. He was the strongest dancer. He was the lead throughout. Instead, at the very end, as Joseph and Mary move into Bethlehem, Mary is portrayed as the passive. As Joseph, the dancer, dances before door after door that opens and slams and opens and slams, and at each new door, the dancer gets more dramatic more intense, Joseph advocating for housing for the homeless. Yes, he was one, but he was advocating for Mary, who was also in Bethlehem, homeless. That same year, which is a great, very rich year, that same year I watched an art installation for Advent being produced. And it brought the story of Joseph to light. I guess God wanted to teach me something that year. I don't know. Joseph's story told first in dance and music and then through fabric arts preached the change I think I was supposed to see. Change in our expectations of God. Oh good, I don't have anything to do in this story so I'm just going to kind of stand back and be an observer. Not Joseph. Both of these, the play, the musical, as well as the art installation, showed Joseph intentionally through the times of transition that you and I always will go through. We look back at times of transition when we're on the other side and we feel comfortable and we forget all of the disruption we had to get to where we are now. So these caused me to slow down and, reali and realize and internalize what change asks us 
Art allowed Joseph to be skeptical. Art allowed Joseph to realize, sure, I remember the words of Scripture spoken in synagogue. I remember these things, but this story is way too big. Nobody talked about Mary being pregnant before we got married. This isn't right. So just reading Matthew, Joseph came to an easy decision. We'll talk about Joseph's decision for divorce in a moment. But Art showed this in stages. The panels, the art installation, showed four significant movements. First, Joseph standing with his arms crossed. This is not the art installation, but this is sanctified art showing, in my opinion, a Joseph, I know he's supposed to be dreaming here, but I see a Joseph with a furrowed brow going, not the way it's supposed to be, God, not the way we planned this. So the art installation has Joseph in profile, standing on the side, arms crossed, foot out, head looking at us, the viewers, just in that stanza. Mm -mm. Don't like this. The scripture says Joseph was a righteous man. So it stands to reason that he had to have second thoughts about pursuing the final vow of marriage with Mary while after their engagement. Joseph, like Mary, had dreamed of the coming Messiah. They both had heard Isaiah's words that God would tear open the heavens and come down to be with God's people. Yet here they were, still dominated by someone else. In their case, the Romans. They wanted release for the captives. They wanted their oppressors just put aside. Isaiah knew this, prophesied it for his own day when it was going to happen. And Joseph and Mary knew this as well. The domineering states, living in a domineering state for centuries, the people had learned to hunker down and the dreams subsided. And they just were waiting for Messiah to come. Isaiah 2, those beautiful words of peace that Isaiah saw, did not hear, if you look at Isaiah 2, Isaiah saw the words. And these might also have been in the back of Joseph's mind. People had been taught these are God's ways. Learn to walk in God's ways. And they had, but those oppressors kept batting them back. How then? Do we live when they keep shooing us out? That tearing open up the heavens and the Holy Spirit coming and the Messiah coming, causing the makers of war to turn their weapons into, into instruments for gardening, for nurture, for growth. Pruning hooks made out of spears because those spears were no longer needed. This was the vision of hope and peace that Joseph had, not the interruption to his marriage to Mary, whom he loved. Joseph is not a man of peace in Matthew 1. Anything but peace. In all of the images of God and how God would self-reveal, Mary, Mary's experience with the angel 
had never come into anybody's conversation of vocabulary. This was too new. Joseph resisted. Joseph was unconvinced. He was skeptical. And I think we should agree with him. God, you can't act like that. That's not how we have you programmed. Oh, does God like to upset things? Skeptical. Aren't you? Now put yourself in Mary's parents' or grandparents' shoes, and you know what's going to happen. Granddaughter walks in, 16 years old. Guess what? It's fabulous. I'm pregnant. Unmarried. Oh, it gets worse. No, 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 not the boyfriend. It's the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. You must call the doctor. Is this how anybody saw it coming? No. And that's the beauty of Joseph's story and of this scripture. Why do you think what you pro- program, process, plan is what's actually going to happen? Do you not talk to the creator of the universe daily? Does that mean that we have a key to what's going to happen next? Nope. But we can take Joseph's cues on how we adapt to that. So for Mary, it's different than it is today, 2,000 years later. If your granddaughter is in this situation, there's a conversation to be had. For Mary, they're stoning. That's just the penalty for infidelity, first century Palestine. Joseph did not want that for Mary, so he figured out another way. At the same time, Joseph could conceive of Isaiah's words, but could not hear or see Mary's words. The angel came, and this is just happening, and no, I can't explain it scientifically. Now, in first century Judaism, Marriage symbolized the fusion of honor between two different families so that the families were extended but then related to each other. Betrothal was a formal contract between families. Divorce had to be formal in front of the public and the public had to agree. This was not a go to the lawyer and mutual agreement and sign. Divorce was a reversal of the process of marriage. For Joseph, Mary's pregnancy broke his personal honor and his family's honor, and he needed distance so that that shame would not affect his family. This was actually merciful on Joseph's part because it's so much better than stoning your betrothed. Now, the second panel, that was all portrayed in the first, just by Joseph's attitude. Of, uh-uh, I don't like this. The second panel showed Joseph and Mary standing indoors, and their silhouette said very little, but the, the artists created a huge window behind them that showed the night sky and the glory of God through the night sky that anyone can see if you're willing to stay up and watch the stars and the moon and the planets come out at night. You think God isn't looking? Wait for the night sky and ask yourself that question one more time. And this is how the artist portrayed Joseph no longer standing with his arms folded, but his arms relaxed. And instead of Mary being behind him, not seen, they are together. She's looking up, he's looking down, 
And I don't know how the artist did this, but Joseph is loosening up as he ponders the words Mary heard and he heard in his dream, do not be afraid. Well, I can give you a lot of reasons why both of them should have been. So can you. Yet God says, do not be afraid. So, first prayer Palo Alto, do you see anything that you might be afraid of coming down into your future? Oh, good. I'm glad I see some heads nodding. We're being realistic. Joseph's story. Joseph had to shift his concept of God beyond what he understood, what he knew, what he had heard in synagogue. And Mary was already ahead of him, and he had to catch up. Well, that was another cultural shift for first century Palestine. She was standing there with the Son of God inside of her. He could not see this or feel it, yet somehow had to adapt. And as he did in the second panel, with the relaxation of his shoulders, the gentleness in their silhouette, Joseph is beginning to let go, let go of the logic he once assumed was normal, the logic of faith he understood, and instead had to embrace something new and unexpected. The last thing in my experience most churches want. But then I always walk into the unexpected. So guess what I get to preach? The unexpected will probably continue, and you might want to adapt to it now because it's actually going to be in your perpetual future because that's the way God is. Here's Joseph. The third panel that came into being showed Joseph now in the lead. He was outside of the story. He was with Mary in the story. Now he's leading. They are walking to Bethlehem. There is no reason that Joseph needed to bring Mary to Bethlehem. He's the one that had to go to sign in and register. Betrothed did not have to come along, yet Joseph brought her. Perhaps he wanted to protect her from village gossip. I'm not sure if you've ever experienced village or church gossip, but sometimes it could hurt. Perhaps he wanted to protect her from local religious leaders. <gasps> Me? Yeah. It can happen. We can be nasty people sometimes. Joseph is depic was depicted being protective of Mary in his stance and the way that he was walking, kind of walking forward, but one eye on Mary to make sure she was okay. Joseph was being the good shepherd, shepherding the good shepherd, even though they were walking through the valley of the unknown often called the valley of the shadow of death. But where is God in Psalm 23 as we walk through the valley of the shadow of death? Right there, right beside in the shepherd. Joseph can't see it yet. We can, and that's why we have scripture. Not just to be in Joseph's shoes, but to see what Joseph can't see as he's walking to Bethlehem walking through complications, through struggles, struggles with faith and struggles with certainty. And where is God through Joseph's struggles? Right there in Mary. 
right there. The last panel is the one that caught me most, uh-oh, somebody changed the time on me, um, that caught me most by surprise because it, it had, the one panel had four different windows of Joseph before a blank door, a blank window, just like the musical black nativity, an assertive Joseph, one begging, not from pity, but from deep respect for the Son of God. Can you turn off my microphone for a minute? I might be okay now. I got too excited. Like the black nativity, Joseph advocating, impassioned, full of vigor, fire. Can you give a place for the homeless to stay? Joseph, the advocate, can you spare a small space just for my wife? We're hungry, we're tired. And thinking of Gail's minute for mission, have you heard these questions before? Joseph is not a bystander. A bystander is an advocate. And again, the irony, where was Jesus the whole time? Right there on the trip with him. Not yet born, but almost born. Okay, let's pick up really quickly. Continuing with the thoughtful Christian adult study on Christmas accounts in the Gospels. Let's pick up, not Matthew's house, which I showed you last week, and that was an error. This is Luke's house. So compare it now by artist Kevin Burns, who's architect and a ruling elder in the Presbyterian Church. Look at how he drew Luke's house based on all of the information in the Gospel of Luke. Kids are playing. I think they're on a bicycle. There are pictures of these out in the narthex if you'd like. The household is full of people on a porch. Every window has something inside, possibly even a Christmas tree. There is a house in the back. There are animals in the front. Where did the llama come from? But I love it. This is the Kool-Aid house. Everybody wants to be here. The details are here. Conversations are here here. And this house represents the depth of detail in the Gospel of Luke. In our study, compared to the simple, simple, basic house of Mark last week, which is also still in the, the narthex, because that's how Luke wrote his Gospel. This house says, I've been here for a long time. I'm stable. Does it represent the stability of the household of God? I think it does. The hand of God that brings life to the trees, to the mountains, is still at work. Can you see it? In this image of a welcoming home, the good news of the Gospel of Luke seems to stay, say, despite 
all signs to the contrary, God has not forgotten us. God has not forgotten God's world. God's house is open and you are invited. You are welcomed whether you want to come on the porch for a cup of tea. I love cups of tea. Or not, God has not abandoned God's most broken and needy people, us. People we don't know. The lights are on and there is room for everyone here. Amen.